Hello, and welcome to Stride and Saunter, episode 222. I'm Kip Clark, and joining me in the studio today, we have a returning guest, Leland Holcomb. Hey, Kip. Thanks for having me. It's really good to be back on and to see you again. Of course. Really happy to have you back for an interview series that I'm calling A Pale Blue Launch, which is inspired by, of course, Carl Sagan's famous description of Earth as a pale blue dot, and I've always loved that. And the idea was inspired by thoughts I've had on the era in which we live where space travel is being discussed more and more after having been somewhat absent from public discourse, especially after the Apollo missions and other similar NASA endeavors. And in a very simple premise, I'm going to be interviewing you and other folks from my life on five objects or artifacts that you might launch in a space capsule potentially to be found by alien life, be it intelligent or otherwise, or perhaps just to drift aimlessly among the stars. And I might change up the style from interview to interview. I might add parameters, as I did with you today. However, unlike a majority of Stride and Saunter episodes, this really is going to be more of an interview. It might be relatively short, but we're going to be talking about your five objects, and we'll go from there. So I asked you in preparation, not only for five objects, but five objects you might send that had to contain glass in some capacity. So that could be a piece of stained glass. That could be one of the more recent iPhone models that actually have glass. It could be entirely up to your discretion. But that was the condition that I requested each of your objects meet. So in whatever order you'd like, and I'll let the audience know that I have zero idea what five objects you chose, let's start discussing them. So first of all, I'll say this was really hard. So I think it might be good for me to talk a little bit about how I, in my mind, put this together. Because first thing I had to do, and I'm a little embarrassed about this, was Google stuff that has glass in it. Because it turns out that there's actually a lot of stuff that has glass that you wouldn't actually think about it having glass, for instance. Because one of the things I chose was something that I had heard had glass in it, but I didn't actually know. I also don't know anything about how it works, but I just think they're kind of cool. So I started there. The other aspect of what I did was I had to think about what the impact of the items was going to be. So there's two things, right? First is the impact on us when we go back and look at it. Similar to when you just do a time capsule in in the earth and you go, hey, we'll put old items in here. And when we dig it up, we'll laugh at and think about how much times has changed. But the other aspect of this, since it's in space, and I obviously had to think about it this way was, what if other life found it? And that to me was really interesting and important too, because I wanted to add in some things that might be cool or interesting for alien life to find. And I wanted to mix it with stuff that would be interesting for us to find, I think, based on guesses of things that are probably not going to be around or that will be laughably antiquated in a relatively short amount of time. And the third thing I should note and final thing is, of course, it's me. So I cheated a little bit because there happens to be glass in, say, glass casing, for instance, that you could use to case something inside. So I did, I cheated a little bit too. And you could, you can force me to think of something else too, if that cheat doesn't work, but I didn't do it for all, just so you know. Well, I appreciate your retroactive honesty. And in my mind, this exercise was all about creativity. So if you chose to make a glass case of something, your object, I think that fits under the rules that I've rather loosely established. 
Well, that's great because I didn't have a contingency plan. So I'm actually really glad to hear that. And I'll also preface this by saying this is just going to be in random order of the ones that I think of in my head because I don't have these written down. So I'll just say them in a random order. First, and you already called it because this is an obvious one, an iPhone. Now, I was thinking actually one of the older models, not an iPhone 1 maybe, but maybe like an iPhone 5 or something. To me, it's not as important. It has to have functionality enough that we can remember what iPhones were like. But I think that they are something that really, A, defines our period in a lot of ways. And B, when we think of screens, which are glass nowadays, we think of smartphones, we think of tablets, we think of TVs, but mostly smartphones. But the other thing I think is interesting about an iPhone is, right, it's really smart, so we could program it. And I don't know how I would do this, but apparently there's no like lack of resources behind me in this. So I would hire somebody who could do this and it's got to be pretty easy. Basically, what I would want is I would want the iPhone to be off, right, to save the battery. And I think the battery lasts a long time if it's off, but I have to check on that. If it doesn't, we'd have to maybe like do an added battery. I basically would want to have it such that when you found the iPhone and turn the iPhone on, you know, you get the little Apple logo and the white screen. Right after that, I'd want it to play a video. And the video would basically be everyday life around the world. And probably not long, probably just like a minute or two or a couple minutes. And I'd want to do things like show animal life. I'd want to show marine life. I'd want to show cities. I'd want to show rural areas. I'd want to show woods. And I just want to show animals and people doing normal stuff, quote unquote, normal stuff in those habitats. Because I think that would be very, very interesting for us to find in the future, but also for other life forms, if they found it, to understand what life on Earth is like. And we can't say it audibly. So maybe there'd be music playing, but it wouldn't be words. It would have to be images in case they don't understand. And I don't even know if they can see, but that's a guess that I have to make. Hopefully they can see if it's alien life forms in the way that we do to see what life is like. That's one of my forms of cheating again, because it basically is like encapsulating all of time in a video that is then put in an iPhone that's also symbolic in and of itself. But I think that that's a really important one. Also, because I think and I hope that screens will actually phase out of our lives as we continue to do more things like augmented realities and things like that, for better or for worse. I actually think screens are a means to an end, not an end in themselves. And so I think that actually given enough time and people are always bad at guessing how long things will take, but they often are pretty decent at guessing what the future will hold. At some point that will not be around. And so thinking back on the time when we were all stuck on screens will be almost laughable. I think we'll go back to experiencing things, but we'll be experiencing fake things, maybe in the same breath as a real thing, or we'll just completely immerse into a fake thing that feels so real that to us it's real, even if it isn't, or it's the only real we know, which would be the worst case scenario in a lot of ways. Maybe Ready Player One-esque, if you want to think of it that way. So that was my first one, an iPhone. There are a number of things I really love about that, especially your idea that we will move beyond screens. I think for a lot of people, the smartphone, I think the iPhone in particular, represents almost the pinnacle of futurism. One of the reasons I think Apple is so appealing to people, and I'm an occasional customer of theirs, is that at least on the hardware front, I think they do a good job of designing things, whether they perform this way or not, in the critics' eyes, that look sleek and futuristic, especially with some of the videos that advertise their newest model of iPhone every year. It tends to get thinner, its bezels are often expanded, and the cracks in the casing grow smaller and smaller to the point that they are almost invisible. I don't think we're all that far from an iPhone that might be a very thin sheet of glass with electronics inside of it somehow. 
And so I really love that to you, the screen itself, perhaps best encapsulated in this small four to six inch device, might be this relic of the past at some point. Because in the 21st century, the smartphone and the iPhone in particular feel almost like religious objects in their importance. And I also love that you'd play a video immediately. I'm sure someone could technologically rig that to happen as you envisioned it, because immediately as you described it, my first thoughts were how lovely and sentimental that might be for human beings discovering this. But as you alluded to, alien life might not have the sensory abilities to appreciate sound in the way that we do or visual stimuli in the way that we do. I, of course, don't know what alien life would look like, but it's not impossible that they might perceive stories or narrative threads entirely differently than we do, and a video of everyone from around the world that might make sense to a 21st century human could really confuse them. I can envision scenarios in which they wonder if we are shape-shifting. Why are there individuals on the screen who constantly take on different appearances? Why is their fashion choice changing so rapidly? And the climates in which they live appear to be drastically varied. They might wonder about the planet that produced this iPhone and its video. So I really love that as a first object, and I'm looking forward to hearing about the next one. Okay, I'll start by saying that this is one that I'm not exactly sure is 100% possible, although I readily assume it is, and I'm sure this is somewhere, but I would want a Model T Ford in there. Main reason being, transportation in our lives changed drastically at the invention of the Model T. That's the first way we speedily were moving around. I also hope and think and assume that it's going to be very, very antiquated. Obviously, Model Ts are already super antiquated, which is why I'd want to go to a Model T. If they're not available, we'll go to the next car that was like a really early model car, really an old school car, one you'd maybe see at a local shop when people get together to show old cars. (laughs) Uh, One of those, pick one of those if the Model T is not around anymore. I don't know enough about cars that I even know that, but I hope there is one. But I think that'd be a great one because I think it would, A, throw any of us back in time. Even now it throws us back in time. But B, from the perspective of somebody who maybe doesn't even see cars anymore, or who knows what the heck's going to be around then, my guess is going to be that there will be something like a car, but it'll be so different from a combustion engine that it won't even be recognizable as a car even. That's why I think that would be a really interesting one. I don't know how much of it is glass, but it has windows. So uh, there's the glass part. I think that's really great, and it reminds me how much the car has changed. And even in the 21st century, though we are still driving these four-wheeled objects that move around on roads, very similar to cars of yesteryear, the fact that in the next decade or two of our lives, Leland, autonomous vehicles are expected to replace most drivable cars, the steering wheel within this object might seem incredibly foreign to human beings in the 23rd, 24th, or 25th centuries if our species survives that long. And so I'm interested to see, again, how alien life might interpret this. Would they imagine that this object, A, was driven? Would they understand that concept? And furthermore, would they presume that it belonged to people of the upper class or every citizen in the society that produced this car? Would they envision circumstances in which it was driven? Might they falsely envision that the Model T was used for sporting or combat circumstances where people would get in these cars and joust or other things that we didn't do with the Model T? I'd really love to see how alien life would treat this. And of course, in the circumstances of my space capsule thought experiment, you can of course fit a Model T however we're launching all of these objects. And that's why I appreciated that concession of no end to scope 
because obviously that'd be a really, really hard one to send, but I think it'd be fun. So we're going with it. So thanks for that. Okay, on to the next one. This one was one of the ones that I sort of came across after Googling, sort of figuring out what was actually in these, but I've been interested in the technology that goes into this for a while. Fiber optic cables would be in there. Really random, really weird thing to put in there, but I think that they're one of those things that's really overlooked. But in terms of information flow among human beings over time, it's probably one of the more consequential inventions that was ever made. And actually the piece of glass that would be in there, the piece of glass, which I think there's some aspect of it that's glass, and I don't know anything about the engineering of it, but I've been told that's the case. I hope it's not a lie retroactively, in which case we could do a second episode and see, but I've been told anyway that there's glass in there. I think that's a really important one because it is the transfer of knowledge. It's also something that is increasingly becoming really antiquated. And I'm hoping that there are ways that we can transfer energy and communications in ways that don't need these things in the future. And I'm sure cabling won't be really necessary uh, moving forward in in many other ways as science continues to advance. But I think that's going to be one that's also fun to throw in there because it'll perplex anybody. Also, it'll be really weird next to an iPhone and Model T to have the fiber optic cables. So I just kind of threw it in there too. I think an alien definitely would have no idea and probably wouldn't care that much, especially when it's next to cooler stuff. But human beings might have reason to go, oh yeah, this is where it all started. This is how we connected each other first. This is how the internet connected to people with these cables. And one follow-up question on that, how long would the segment of cabling be? And would it be wrapped in a circular pattern or sort of haphazardly thrown in alongside the car and the phone? I love that question. I didn't think about it before, but here's my immediate thought. I'd actually just want it to be strewn about quite long, such that people feel cheated when they open the capsule. We thought there were five things in here. There are only four things in here and a piece of cable. So I'm hoping that that's what people think. So I'd like it wrapped around everything and long enough that you can understand and appreciate how long these cables can be. It doesn't have to be super, super long and it should be sort of just strewn about. Hypothetically speaking, it could be 100 yards. And that's really helpful for my mind's eye because I think the length of cable would radically affect how a discoverer would treat the object. If it were a foot long, I could see some hypotheses that the cable was used for hygiene, to clean parts of the body or scrape things, or potentially as decoration, ornamentation, things you might accessorize a body with. But if it's the length of a football field, I can imagine any other number of uses. Potentially some, depending on the anthropological creativity of the discoverers, that are religious in nature. I could picture some ceremony in which an object was tied with a fiber optic or other cable and dragged or hoisted many, many yards or feet. And so I'd be especially curious to know how other life might receive the fiber optic cable. There are, of course, darker possibilities. Maybe the cable was used to bind prisoners or criminals. I'd really love to know what other life would think of this artifact in particular. I think it might be my favorite of the three you've given so far. But with that said, I'm also eager to hear about number four. Okay, great. This one's number four only because I don't want it to be number five, and I don't want to end on cheating, because this is where I really cheated. So my fourth object would essentially be an enclosed box with no oxygen in it that would have a piece of coral and a piece of just tree. Just those two things in a box. It would have to be deoxygenated. I'm hoping because it'll make it last longer. I'd have to come up with maybe some other tech to really understand how to make them last as long as possible. That's really my only goal of the glass enclosure. But I also think it'd be really important for obvious reasons because I think that nature is going to be something really key to preserve. 
I hope it's not that important to preserve, but I think it'd be something that we'd really need to preserve in there because my guess is that by that time, there certainly won't be any coral. And I think most people will probably be living in urban environments and I'd be surprised if they actually interacted with nature in that much of an extent. Although I do assume that if we're still alive, there's plenty of trees around, but I also think it'd just be something key to have in there. Also for alien life, because trees would be a big thing for them to understand Maybe they could start understanding respiration and see what our natural environments produce a lot of now, at least. So I think it'd be kind of an interesting one, both for us to be called back to nature and understand the importance of nature, but also for aliens to check out to really understand what our natural world looks like beyond the pictures. You have to make it tangible as well. Well, for all your cheating, if we're really going to call it that, I love this one too, especially because coral and trees, though I won't claim to know as much about nature as I'd like, play really valuable roles in our ecosystems currently. Trees do a great deal to give us oxygen, and there have also been studies that they boost our mood and general well-being when we are in their presence, and I personally find trees to be beautiful. I don't think that's a rare opinion, though it may not often be discussed. And coral reefs, for as much as we human beings have damaged them in our behavior or even neglected them and not really appreciating how cool they are, play a similar role, as far as I know, in being a real hub for various sea life. And so I love that you've taken these two things that, in many ways, to me, represent the expansiveness of life on Earth. You and I are human beings, and even the tallest or largest among us have a limitation. But I think about trees and the fact that they keep growing. And I believe, though I'd love to be fact-checked on this, that coral similarly, if you treat it properly and don't get in its way, will continue to expand across the ocean. That's why we have reefs of coral. And so I love that you chose even fragments of things that represent such large bodies. And I love the human perspective you give. I, in particular, again wonder if aliens would look at these pieces and think that they were some kind of culinary delicacy. I wonder if they would attempt to eat, consume, or in some way utilize these natural pieces. And that's also interesting to me that the other objects you've put in this capsule aren't organic. They were never organic. The iPhone, the fiber optic cable, and the Model T are all very artificial and in many ways almost aggressive reminders of human industrialism and what we've done mechanically and with engineering and intelligence, whereas nature in the tree and in the coral reef are epitomized and really celebrated. So I love that. And now your final object? Okay, nice. Number five. Last but not least, I would put a telescope in. Now, this would actually arguably be the biggest thing in there. I don't even know what they call the model of these telescopes anymore, but I would want the biggest telescope, the furthest seeing telescope that we have today, I'd want in there. Because this one's actually more aimed at the alien life than anybody else. I'd want to at least give them a shot of seeing us, seeing our galaxy, our universe, whatever they could see out there. I'd want them to try to maybe see us if they have eyes or anything that work like eyes. It'd be kind of the closest thing I could get to giving them the tools to find us, which I think would be really interesting. And by then, maybe we'll have already met alien life. I don't know, but it would be at least the shot. And on the flip side, it would give us a sense of how small a view of the universe that we had at this time. We see a lot now. We know a lot more about the universe than ever before, but we still know next to nothing. The good news is we know that we know next to nothing because of the advancements in technology. So I think that would also be an interesting point of reflection for us to go, wow, in 2018, that's the view that we had of the world. That's all we could see. And who knows what more we'll know at that time. 
I'm really glad you saved this for last because that might be my favorite. Because in my mind, for human beings, sight is really among one of our most important senses. The fact that people consume as much art as they do, so much of it visual, and a telescope, though there are many objects with which we see or attempt to see. The iPhone screen also harkens back to this in a way. The telescope, to me, as you so well said, beautifully captures the paradox of human imagination, this reaching for something higher, greater, and further than our rather small and insignificant home here on Earth, and at the same time reminds us of our humility, of our relative insignificance in the span of a greater cosmos. And so I love that, and I think it would be really amazing, assuming the life forms who find this have eyes or some ocular ability, it would be amazing if they could look back, if they figured out the trajectory of this space capsule and thought to look back to its presumed point of origin. And we'll close this episode a little bit differently than I do others because, of course, this series is different. I'm going to ask you two questions, the first of which is if you have a favorite of the objects that you chose, and the second is if you have a parameter or challenge for the next interviewee on this series. Great question, Skip. As to which is my favorite, this was interesting because when I first started making the list in my head, my favorite one was the iPhone because I thought it was the most creatively delivered and I thought it touched on more relevant and interesting aspects of who we are as people, both now and throughout history, but also from an artificial and natural perspective to really give an insight into what we are really like now. And I think that's still the case. So that's definitely, to me, probably one of the tops. But my favorite one became the telescope. Because to me, it's actually the most promising of all of them in there for the reasons that you discussed and alluded to, because maybe it'll give them the chance to understand how we see, to understand the technology that we have now. If they're behind us, they can get the technology and maybe they can learn how we built telescopes by understanding the telescope that they have. And maybe they can start building out that technology. Vice versa, if they're way ahead of us, they'll know, wow, okay, this is all they've got. That's why we've never found them because this is as far as they can see. And so we can really understand, I hope, the connection between the two of us in terms of distance, which I think is really, really interesting, like you mentioned, both from a perspective of how irrelevant we sort of are in terms of distance, or more optimistically, how much distance is becoming less and less relevant as we expand our scope more and more. And I think that's one of the things that I think is really cool about the telescope. Also, I think the tech is really awesome. They're really just beautiful things to witness. And for your next guest, I'd like them to pick five objects that contain wood. In many ways, I think this is more challenging than glass, which is why I look forward to seeing how it's done. It can be live, dead wood, whatever it is. I look forward to seeing how they cheat as well. So Kip, good luck. Now you got to get on this. We got to put them all in something, maybe like an orb or some container to ship this thing out. So good luck. You got to fit all that stuff. It's a lot. They're big. Good luck. And because this is a stride and saunter episode, I'd really love the audience to think about Leland's objects and, of course, your own. If I had given you this challenge and said you have five objects that have to in some way contain or be made of glass, what would you have chosen? I think there are a lot of interesting possibilities, and I really hope to hear some of them. And to you, Leland, as always, you've been a great guest, and I really appreciate your willingness to be a bit creative and playful with me on this one. It's been a pleasure. No, thank you, Kip. The pleasure's been all mine. This was really, really fun. Again, I love these and in the spirit of our challenges before this method of thinking, it's challenging, it's fun, it opens your mind up. I love it. So thank you. Great job. Well, I'm humbled by your kind words and grateful to be able to talk about things like this with you. 
But of course, as always, we want this to be a conversation or an interview that is among rather than between. Yours may be one mind, but I imagine the minds of the audience could come up with any number of things. And even I haven't thought of the five glass objects I would choose. If you'd like to connect with us, you can find us on Twitter or on Facebook. You can also email us via strideandsaunter at gmail.com. And if you enjoyed this episode, consider subscribing to the show as well as supporting us on Patreon, where in exchange for your support, you'll receive exclusive perks like bonus episodes. And as always, we thank you very much for listening. And from thought to word and voice to ear, this is Kip Clark signing off.